The shadows of storm and night. The mysteries of life and light. From unearthly peculiarities, celestial and divine, to apparitions and transcendental signs. You're listening to To The Spirit Podcast. Hi, friends, and welcome to The Spirit. I'm your host for today, Beck, and boy, is it a hot one. I'm not sure where in the big wide world you guys are located, but here in central New York, it is like a terrarium. I'm not complaining. We needed the rain. We were kind of droughty. Our water tables were low, but man, we've got snakes bigger than I've ever seen them and spiders the size of your hand. I'm just waiting for the lizards to come and take over. We used to have four seasons and those were my favorite, you know, fall, cooler temps, fresh air. But now it just seems like we go from winter into summer and it seems like it's six months of winter, six months of summer, and boy, is it blistering hot in the summer. And our winters have been milder, but our summers, they're like, with the humidity, it's just almost unbearable. If you'd like to support the show, please tell a friend about us. You can also leave us a review on Apple, and that helps to push us up in the ranks. I want to thank our listeners for all the support and the emails that you've sent. We really appreciate you. My guest today is the lead investigator of Beyond the Dimensions. He got started in the field in 2011, just doing small residential cases for people in need of help, whether it be a haunting or a family looking to buy a new house. And in 2018, he was approached to join Dead Republic Paranormal with other local investigators. He went on to film two documentaries with the team, Sleepless in Salamanca, Wildwood Sanitarium, and Goodwill Haunting, Wilson's Castle. Now, Sleepless in Salamanca, edited and produced by my guest, was only viewable on Amazon Prime for a limited time, but it went on to be nominated the number one paranormal documentary of 2020 on the Higgy Pop Awards and the Paranormal Awards. My guest has now set out on a mission to bring forth a new perspective of the paranormal field, something different, something that shows the other side of the realm by using less electronic devices and relies more on abilities and feelings. As an empath and a light worker, he continually develops his abilities to make a change within the world. Please welcome Mike Hatcher. Hi, Mike. Thanks for being here today. That's quite a resume you've got. Oh, thanks for having me on. Before we get started, where can people find you, your work, your documentaries, and your contact information? Um, you can find me, oh man, I'm all over the place, beyondthedimensions.com. I'm the lead investigator for that series. You can find that series. It is solely a Paraflix original series. It's exclusive to Paraflix. Um, you can find on there, Beyond the Dimensions, my new series along with you know Ashley Moreno and Jason Baker. And I have another documentary on there for my previous team, uh, Dead Republic, called Sleepless in Salamanca. What is Paraflix? Can you explain a little bit about what Paraflix is? One of our fans describes it as the Netflix of Paranormal. It is a SVOD, which is a streaming video on demand platform that is just like Netflix, Amazon Prime, 
and it's strictly for all things cryptid, paranormal, UFOs. There's some educational videos on there from, you know, like mediums and um, magic instructors, Patty Negri, who you guys probably know her from Ghost Adventures. Yeah, it's just one big streaming platform that's just been blowing up. Now, you got started investigating in the field in 2011, but prior to that, did you have paranormal experiences that led you up to this? Oh, absolutely. One of the noted ones that I talk about the most was right after my stepdad passed away. He passed away right before I turned 21, and I'll be 36 this year, so I'm not great at math, so it's been a while. Uh <laughs> You know, he passed away in my mom's house, well, in their house, and right after he had passed, I had refused to stay at my mom's. You know, I refused to stay the night, and um, I, I wasn't living there at the time, but, you know, I kind of felt like I should, you know, kind of help my mom out. When you lose a family member, especially a parent, you know, you have all these questions that run through your mind, like, did they love me? Am I going to be okay? Are we going to be okay? And some of the reasons these questions were running through my mind is the last eight years of my dad's life, he had a real bad drug problem, and him and I did not have a relationship. We did not get along, but I wish we did. So I, I always had that, you know, did he love me kind of questions on my mind. My stepdad, he was in my life since I was two, so he pretty much raised me. But one night I, I did decide to stay at my mom's to kind of help her out. And I ended up sleeping in the family room. I fell asleep on the couch. And next thing you know, I see myself sleeping. Like I'm hovering over my body. I walk into the kitchen and I turn right, which leads into the, the dining room and the living room area. And as I turn the corner, my stepdad is just standing there. There's bright light all around him. He looks at me, says he loves me, gives me a hug and everything will be okay. And... Right after that, I woke up. I wonder if that was kind of like an astral projection or... I believe it was. You know, I after that, I kind of started studying dreams a little bit and interpreting dreams and studying a little bit of astral projection and um, out-of-body experiences. So I do believe that that was one. That's not the only one I had that's involved me doing paranormal as far as out-of-body experiences. And one of the other ones actually led to me doing a paranormal investigation for a friend of mine. Tell us all about it. It was right around the time I had just started. It was about 2011. And my ex-fiance and I had just moved back from Pittsburgh. And my ex-fiance and I were in our room. I was still trying to get on my feet, moving back from Pittsburgh. And I moved back because my ex and I got engaged. And, well, we were staying in her parents' attic until, you know, we could really get on our feet. And, um... I remember laying there in bed, and again, I saw myself hovering over my body. And something led me to the other side of the attic. So I started walking over there, and as I turned around to face the way I was coming, there's this little boy who walked up the attic stairs, turned, looked at me, and I still remember him to this day. He's about six, seven years old, blonde hair that came under a blue baseball cap. He was wearing a baseball uniform. He looked at me, waved, smiled, and disappeared. Well, that same day, I got a text from a friend of mine who was telling me that in their apartment, they keep hearing a child laugh, lights are turning off and on, there's running around the apartment, water's turning off and on. It's just constant. 
So as an investigator, you know, you ask all these questions. So I'm like, well, the running around, is it somebody on the other side of the apartment in the duplex or whatever? And she proceeded to tell me that that tenant was about four or 500 pounds and there's no way he's running around the apartment. So I then I, I text her back and I'm like, does it happen to be a little boy, blonde hair, baseball uniform, blue baseball hat? And she goes, hold on. The only person that's seen him is my sister. So she sends me a screenshot of her sister's response that goes, oh my God, how did he know? And I've never been to their apartment. So I went and I investigated and I, using equipment, ended up coming to the conclusion that this little boy was drowned in their bathtub. It was really, it was an experience. Did you feel a difference between when you saw your stepfather and when you saw this little boy? Because to me, it seemed like maybe your stepdad was in transition to possibly cross. Was it a different feeling? Um, I don't really remember. They, those were probably, my stepdad passed away before I moved to Pittsburgh. Those were probably about four years apart. So this experience got you very interested in diving in deeper. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, I started watching Ghost Adventures, and then that kind of led me into wanting to do more. What was your first case? When I first started, I was doing mostly residentials, but probably the first one that we did was when I was building my first team, my partner and I went to his grandma's. It became our location to really kind of test some of our equipment. Um, It was out in Malvern, Ohio, and just the experiences there were kind of unbelievable. You know, I, I started going in as a skeptic at the first location. And then when I started reviewing the evidence, I'm like, this is unbelievable. We had a spirit there that liked to follow us around and answer questions. That wasn't really a case. That was more fun. Just getting the feet wet. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And then it, it, it all really just came down to, People just randomly hitting me up, mostly friends and family. And and then from there, that's really what I wanted to do. And then I kind of hung it up for a while. I'm also a musician of about 25 years. So I went back into playing music. I kind of hung up the paranormal thing for a couple of years, went back into playing music. And then the last two years is when it really fell heavily into my lap. And I hung up music and started doing paranormal full time. Now you're with a new team. Can you tell me a little bit about the team you're working with now? Um, The team I'm working with now essentially wasn't really supposed to become a a team per se. My old team was supposed to fill the shoes of what we're doing now. Uh, Beyond the Dimensions was just a a TV series I kind of had I wanted to do, but it was supposed to involve my old team. But when I left that team for creative differences, I ended up meeting Ashley. I worked with her dad. And her dad was telling me she's real big into the paranormal. She's, you know, she's got these gifts. So her and I started talking. We hit it off. I kind of tested her a little bit on a few things. We went out to Wildwood Sanitarium where she did an event with me. And I got in contact with Jason Baker, who is very well known on Instagram for his photography work. And I was just like, hey, do you want to do camera and paranormal investigating? And He was all about it. It's supposed to be a show that we take ITC work a little bit differently than what you see on TV, than what you see elsewhere. 
Uh, we try and cut down on the electronic devices. We try not to use the REM pods, the millimeters, and use solely what we're seeing, what we're feeling, what we're hearing. Because if, if in, in theory, if you think about it, if spirits carry the same energy that they did when they were alive, don't we do the same being alive? So who's to say that our energy somehow isn't manipulating those devices while we think it's, if that makes sense? No, that makes total sense. There's a lot of theories that the imprints of our thoughts come out through EVPs. Not relying on equipment, what do you do to communicate with the spirits then? One of my favorite things that I do enjoy doing is sensory deprivation is one of my favorite things. And I also use scrying mirrors along with EVPs. Same with my teammate. She's very phenomenal at sensory deprivation as well. And our debut episode uh, for Beyond the Dimensions, which is on Paraflix now, we were at Mansfield Reformatory. And uh, you can really see how in-depth her and I get during a sensory deprivation in that episode. Would you say that episode was your strangest case to date? What's your strangest case? The strangest, we actually haven't released it yet. Hinsdale House was probably really strange. I'm what's known as a light worker. So I have the ability to kind of control angels. And then a lot of people use this word loosely, but demons. I know a lot of investigators and a lot of people don't believe they exist, but I am one of those that do. This was a, it was our first location and the first location we filmed as a new team. Me being the experienced one and Jason and Ashley being newer, this episode kind of took a 180 degree, just went in a different direction. It became less about investigating and became more of a slight spiritual battle between myself and one of these spirits in the location. And we ended up actually having to leave the location we didn't stay the night, and a lot of that is because I'm one of those that when I get deep into like a spiritual conflict with an entity or a spirit, I will continue to go and go and go. I won't stop until I'm done. But that could have put my two teammates who are new to the field in danger. So we ended up kind of stopping it and leaving the location. I like to ask investigators if they're spiritual or if they consider themselves religious. Some go in with prayers of protection. Some go in with nothing. And what's your style of investigating? I don't go in with nothing. I have been told that my spirit guides, there are locations that they do protect me more than they should. And then there's locations I'll go into where they let me just have full reign and they come in when they need to. I'm a very spiritual person. I don't I'm not religious whatsoever. Not many paranormal investigators actually are, to be honest. The ones that I've spoken with, they are spiritual. They might say kind of, I don't know if you even want to call it a prayer protection, but in the same sort of sense, they they just ask to be you know looked out for. I don't really have a certain prayer. I do actually, when I do feel threatened, I do have a my own personal prayer. And a lot of times those are things that investigators can come up with. But I don't use it before an investigation. I don't protect myself. I don't carry crystals. Now, I believe that ghosts and spirits exist, but I'd love to get your theories or speculation 
on where you think they exist. Do you think they exist on a multiple dimension or a different plane that we're working on? I believe it's a different dimension. I also work, I'm, I'm starting to get more in tune and into working with portals. I do believe that they transfer and they do transport from some sort of different realm. Uh, one of the things that I have learned in this field is the way spirits communicate is on the same exact wavelength in which the living use their imagination. And it, it's weird. And it's one way that I've, I, I've tried teaching people how to protect themselves. Is spirits can read your mind. They know the future. They know the past. And they can also read your mind. So if you imagine something like a, a wall of flames around you, that'll protect you because the spirits somehow can see it. It's a weird dimension, I think, they're on. Just hearing different speculations because, you know, you have your standard interviews and everybody kind of says the same thing over and over. But I want to dive in and find out, like, what do you think their reality is? Do you believe that it's similar to how we operate in our existence? And you kind of explain that with what we imagine to be around us in our mind's eye. That's what I like. I do like interviews like this that dive deeper into what kind of investigator we are as opposed to, oh, what's your scariest incident? What was your scare? You, you know what I mean? There's a lot of paranormal investigators out there. There's a lot of newbies that are out there that are just emulating what they see on TV. The fact that you drop the equipment and use minimal equipment and you try to tune in with your own bodies and your own spirits to communicate and really delve in is amazing to me because you don't hear that often. Mostly people want to prove the existence, right? That's what they're always out to do is I want to prove the existence. And I think many of us know they exist. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And a lot of us. Yeah. We're still trying to figure out, you know, I've heard theories that IR, infrared and UV light actually burn spirits. Um, they don't like it. And then, you know, you're bringing in all these light up toys and devices that make noise. How do we know that doesn't scare them? Pretty cool theory, too, because I've spoken with trance mediums and they can't have light within their space. Some of them sit in cabinets and pull spirits in. They say that if, if there is light, it can affect the spirit. It can affect the medium that's trying to pull these entities into them. That's kind of cool. I never thought of it on those terms of IR lights. You're right. These teams go in with hordes of things that light up and REM pods. So I can see how that might kind of hinder the investigation a little bit. That's interesting. I read in your bio that you have the ability to open and close portals as well as help spirits pass on. So do you actively try and remove or cross entities or do you just purely investigate? I purely investigate solely because I've come across locations that do have spirits that need help crossing over. But unfortunately, when you get into these locations that are popular and well-known, unfortunately, those are the spirits that bring the investigators in. So you can't just go to locations and just set spirits free without permission from the owner. The only location I was given permission to do it from was at Wilson Castle in Vermont. And you can actually see that. That's another documentary that I was in with my old team. That is actually on YouTube. You can watch that one free. The owner let me release a spirit that's well-known. Oh, why can't I remember his name? Robert? I think it was Robert. Um, or Richard. I know it began with an R. But he was the caretaker of the castle for a while and watched the current owner grow up. 
So he's known her as a child. And he died of a heart attack in the right next to the pool table. It was a big experience. It was just it was awesome to to be able to do that, to let him cross over. And from what I've heard, he's come back. He is still there. And a lot of spirits, even when they cross over, they tend to lose their way. They don't know how to come back. It was definitely an experience to do. When you're crossing or when you went through this process, is it kind of like you're imagining in a way, again, like you said, the wall of flames around you? Are you imagining a portal opening up and setting them through? Are these portals like set in stone all around the earth, different locations? Well, portals, I probably have about three in my house. Portals can open really any, any time. And the easiest way to open a portal, a lot of people don't even know that they're doing it. Sadness is one of the biggest ways that a portal can open. It is based purely on sadness. So imagine what we have going on in the world right now with the pandemic, the wars, all this political stuff, all this race wars. Imagine how many portals are actually being opened as we speak. These portals do allow spirits to enter. When I cross a spirit over, I don't use portals. I use angels in prayer. And the only thing that I do, type of light that I do use, is I will imagine the person who passed away surrounding the light and call in their loved ones who have passed over to kind of help lead the way. I like it, Mike. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I love it. It's the same thing I do when I work with EVP and they're asking me for help. That's kind of the method I go with. going back to, you know, your second experience when you were at the apartment, I can't understand. I can't wrap my mind around why there would be ghost kids. Like why wouldn't they have like a free ticket to pass? What what are your thoughts on that? That's a tough one. I've never been asked that. I probably would say that they might still have on just like in any other, any other death, even in as adult, there's unfinished business. I don't really believe in reincarnation per se, but I do believe that each person has a life path. Your energy and your soul in itself has its own life path, no matter what vessel it's in. So if I were to pass away tomorrow and I didn't complete my life path, I would be reborn again until my soul's life path is complete. Then I would go to heaven. But then it still begs the question, well, then why would we have ghosts? If right. that's the case, why are there spirits? Why are there ghosts if we're technically supposed to be recirculating our souls? Um, so it, it, that's really hard to say. Well, there's theories, you know, we, we know that some people think that there's trauma that holds them back. Or like you said, they have something to finish. I would say trauma is one. I can tell you, I actually talk about this child spirit a lot. She is actually attached to me. Her name's Emily. She's seven years old. She has not crossed over and she will not let me cross her over. I'm wondering if she's acting kind of as a guide to you, perhaps? She protects me and she also wants a family. 
she plays with my, I have a two-year-old girl, they play together. I know a lot of people say, hesitate and worry about children's spirits. They're not really children. This one actually is. I've seen her. I've captured her voice. I've talked with her. For a while, I started treating her like a daughter. I yell at her when she, there's nights I'll hear her running through the living room and I'll just be like, Emily, stop it. Before my wife and I moved, we bought a house. Before we moved, we were packing up everything. And I asked Emily one night, I was like, where do you sleep? Because I was just curious. I'm like, where do you sleep as a spirit? And I, I actually have homemade dousing rods that I use. I have nine spirits in my house. I'll just put it that way. I create a dousing rod just to talk to the spirits in my house. They do not leave my house. They do not go to an investigation. So she pointed with the rods over to the couch. I'm like, so you sleep on the couch every night? She said, yes. So we had an extra spare bed in our house. I was like, why don't you sleep on the bed upstairs? So she started sleeping on the bed upstairs. So when we started packing, I took the extra spare bed down and I asked her, I was like, well, are you mad that we took your bed down? And she said she was upset. So I actually started inviting her to sleep in the bed with my wife and I. I could actually feel her crawl into bed, pull on the blankets, uh, just small things. Yeah, she's she does protect me. She does go. Uh, she she is what her and I like to call my CIA operative. <laughs> she will go to locations before I do. She will tell me about them. She gives me a little bit of insight. If there is anything evil there, she will not go. Uh, okay. She's oh yeah, it's it's phenomenal the work that I do with this little spirit. It's phenomenal. I was going to ask you if you felt like she drew energy from you, but clearly she's helping you out and in a way is acting as, yeah, a CIA operative. Yeah, that's what she's become. And she loves it. She loves doing it. Do you believe that some people are more perceptive to paranormal activities than others? And if so, do you think maybe your daughter has that ability as well? I know she does. I myself, like I said, I, I'm known as a light worker. My wife she doesn't get into the paranormal side, but she did have somebody say that she is a Reiki master. She's slowly studying it. I am slowly because she works for the postal service. So she's working 70 hours a week. And I've already had, I, one of my men, I actually do have a mentor um, who does help me as well. She lives in Illinois. She told me my daughter is going to be better than I am. She's got loaded parents. I mean, if, oh, if yeah. your <laughs> wife is able to move that energy through and she's just a healer, born healer, it sounds like. I believe my daughter is a full-blown old soul. If money and access was not an issue for you, what would be your dream location to investigate? Uh, Pavalia Island, of course. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that, that was quick. <laughs> uh, that's, that's on my top. Pavalia Island, Alcatraz, and Trans-Allegheny. In the future, do you think that the advancement of technology, there's going to be like a device that will be the holy grail of paranormal research? I hope not. I mean, not to sound bad. I hope there is, but I hope there's not. Because if there is, then that takes all the fun out of way of investigating. Right. Does that make sense? <laughs> no, it totally <laughs> makes sense. I mean, technology with, you know, as far as investigating has already come so far and we still question everything. So what are you working on now? 
Um, right now, I am editing our second episode for Beyond the Dimensions, which is Hinsdale House. Are you actively still investigating with, I know with all the COVID stuff, everyone's kind of been on hold. Um, it's opened up pretty much in this area, but right now we are planning, we're, we're talking with two locations now. We don't release our locations until we do them, so they're always a secret. We're talking to two locations now, but currently I, I want to get as much editing done as possible. I have three more episodes to do. And then just adding another one's just a ton of work. Do you prefer to do like these big locations, these crazy haunted locations, or do you help with residential stuff as well? It's really hard to do residentials nowadays, especially when we do filming. I'll go out and I'll help as much as I can if somebody needs it, uh, which recently I just actually helped remove a dark entity or I, I wouldn't say it was demonic, but it was a dark attachment from a buddy of mine. So I, I will go out and I will help people if they need it. But when it comes to the series, we like to do the, the locations. Unless we happen to stumble across the residential that lets us film. I know that you had spoken before that you had begun the process of controlling angels and negative entities. How does that work exactly? I don't even know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's from what I've learned out of it is it's really just something that came natural. I didn't even know I had it until I met my mentor and I started talking and working with her. And um, I started doing, I started reading into it. And uh, I guess it's just something that comes natural. I've had spirits tell me they're afraid of me. They won't come around me sometimes. When I'm uh, helping spirits cross over, I'm scrying or I need protection. I am able to call in, you know, like Hakate and Michael and Raziel. But really, it just, I didn't even study it. It just kind of started. Well, it was just something innately within you. Like, you were born to do this. It was your path that you had to walk. I'm, I'm assuming, yes. There's usually uh, a lot of fear. Not everybody can do what you're doing. And I'm assuming you're walking in there with no fear. But have oh, there's times I do. Oh, you do? At least you're admitting it. Because <laughs> there are a lot of people oh, yeah. that say, oh, no, I, I, nothing scares me anymore. And people like to hear can you share one experience maybe or an experience that really just freaked you right out uh so this is actually how i knew i was getting good at being a light worker so there's a location i'm sure you've heard of it's called monroe house in hartford city indiana oh yeah before dead republic formed officially my last team we investigated there just to kind of get the feel of investigating with each other and we decided to do Monroe House. Whatever entity in the back there, in the blue room, if you've ever been there, he's very strong, very powerful, very negative. He somehow attached himself to our whole team. He was affecting each one of us differently. When we would get together, he would interfere with our investigations. He would interfere with us. He would block someone's mind out. For example, the house that my wife and I just moved from was built in 1893. There were spirits there, and I say were because the main one came with me when I moved. I brought her with me. We were slightly investigating my house just to test equipment, do some random filming, and he seemed to have slightly overtaken my old teammate. But as it started progressing, he started affecting me more to the point I would be sleeping. I would feel him in our bedroom. 
He's grabbed my foot while sleeping. He's woken my children up at three o'clock on the dot in the morning. And then as I started becoming more and more getting used to this light worker term and understanding it, I was pretty much able to keep him away. And then recently he's, he's been gone for a while, but at one point it seemed I, this is going to make me sound bad, but there's times in this field and in our, I don't want to call it a career, but in our endeavors in this field, there are times we do need to protect ourselves. And, uh, I had a falling out with a friend who's also in the field. They did something pretty wrong to me. I sent this spirit to them. Did it work? I don't know. We haven't spoke since. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Uh, I think I've tried to pull that off before. I will admit it. And I just wanted a friend of mine to believe. And he he was just doubting that I was experiencing these things. So I kind of tried to unleash it on them. And uh, can you pick up on spirits? I can. I can feel them internally. Um, I'm not. I can't see anything. I'm not clairvoyant or anything like that. Or, uh, but I do. I'm clairaudient. I can hear things. So I can feel touch, and I get the spider web sensations and the electrical sensations and things like that. It ended up backfiring on me. So <laughs> when I did that, it actually ended up turning on me, and you know things started flying off the shelf and stuff. So it was like, whoa! I learned my lesson. <laughs> That's it'll happen. That's one of the other things that I try to do in this field is befriend and work with spirits. My whole area back here where I'm sitting, my my work area, it looks like a a flea market. Like I have so much stuff back here that of items I've collected and I've built and grown. But out of the nine spirits that I know I have, two of them do not get along because they're both Indian from different tribes. One is Sarah. One is Julian. Those two don't get along. Julian, when I first got him, he did not like me at all. He's attached to a Ouija board, which is behind a scrying mirror. He's very mad that he's stuck behind a piece of glass. So when I brought him home, I kept it covered. It was not allowed to be uncovered in the house. The one time I did uncover it, I came home and there were scratches like in the glass. So I covered it back up. And when we moved here, I told him, I was like, you have your whole room back here. I will keep you uncovered. My only rule is you have to be nice. You can mess with me. I don't care. But you cannot mess with my wife or my kids. He'll tell you now he likes me. We get along. We smoke cigarettes. We drink whiskey together. (laughs) You know, it's funny you say that, too, because people are like, how is a spirit drinking whiskey and smoking cigarettes? But. I truly believe they do. Even from the EVP sessions I've had, they talk about it. Like I'm having a gin, you know, slow gin fizz. I'm, they'll yell at me for smoking a cigarette at points. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it makes you wonder, you know, and that's, that's a perfect, that's a great example. When uh, we filmed Sleepless in Salamanca, which is in Salamanca, New York, it is the only Indian reservation still in use in the entire U.S., We got full reign of the Salamanca Railroad Museum. We were on World War II, World War III bunkers, the original railroad cars that started in Salamanca. And uh, there's one railroad car where the guys like to play poker and smoke cigarettes. 
I put one cigarette down and I'm running the EVP. I'm running my recorder. And as soon as I set that cigarette down, I captured an EVP of what sounded like a Zippo opening, lighting, and the breath exhaling. I mean, it only makes sense. People smell cigarette smoke at times, phantom smells. Where is it coming from? Exactly. And, and it's, you know, EVPs, you capture the noises that make you wonder, well, I just sit that cigarette down. I didn't see it move, but did they pick it up in their dimension? Right. So it's almost like um, a dimension that's completely parallel to ours. And they're just going about their day. <laughs> you're yeah. going about yours. Yeah. Sharing the same space. Have you ever come across anything non-human? And I know not so much, maybe not even so much as demonic, or but more like nature, land type of things. Ah, uh, what's the one that I was dealing with? Um, I don't remember where it came from. But I do believe the one at Hinsdale House was elemental. I do want to say that's really the only one. I, I haven't really come across too, too many that I would say are non-human. or I do believe they exist. But I don't, I, I really can't say I've ever come across any. Yeah, I think they're rare when you do encounter them. And I think they just kind of roam the lands, you know, usually the property or the area. More than not, I think they're Native American or they're associated with that. But that's just oh, my, my speculation on it. If you could give some advice to a novice investigator, what would you tell them? Don't spend money on expensive equipment. <laughs> Develop yourself? Exactly. Uh, develop your senses. Not everybody has them. You know, I can sit here and tell you all the things I can do, but not everybody can do it. It's not easy. Don't spend money on expensive equipment. You know, there's equipment that I've bought and I tell everybody is junk. Um, I probably have about four or $500 worth of equipment I won't use because it is garbage. There's so many manufacturers out there right now that are making the same exact thing, but it's not scientifically proven. You really just develop yourself. That's great advice. I, I totally agree. I think people jump in without working on themselves and they bring a lot mm -hmm. of baggage with them, which, like you said, might be influencing the devices that they're using. So it may not even be accurate what they're picking up. As far as people that are dealing with these types of hauntings, do you have any advice for them? I guess it would depend on the type of haunting. Some, you know, some spirits, I, I, I can't lie, I got to learn to live with. You can't just get rid of them. That makes sense. That's their home. <laughs> <laughs> I would not explain that. It's the small things, you know, that, for instance, Margaret, who was one of the spirits I have here, I brought from the other house. Her dad built our old house and she was an old fashioned grandma. Uh, she used to get mad at us if we didn't hang the kitchen towel up and we left it on the counter. You, you got to <laughs> learn to live with these spirits. <laughs> Some of them just don't want to cross and you just have to live side by side with them. Ask them to respect you as much yep. as you respect them. What advice would you give to somebody that's dealing with something negative? Uh, don't provoke it. If you know it's negative, reach out for help. You know, I'm one of those people that, what was it? I just watched Conjuring, the new one. The line that he said in the movie, I felt on so many levels when he said that the, the court accepts God when everybody swears to tell the truth. I think it's time that they accept the presence of the devil. You know, uh, I do believe that a such form does exist, that there is evil on this world. Tread lightly, reach out for help. I'm a sole believer that the people do need medicine, you know, for depression and bipolar disorder and things like that. 
But I do believe that at some point in our life, we can be harbors and vessels of another entity and carry their feelings. Before I got very spiritual, I was a manic depressant, bipolar disorder. I was on meds, took them constantly. The second I started getting deeper and deeper into paranormal and learning how to protect myself, I started noticing a lot of my depression, my anxiety and stuff started going away. So it made me wonder if half my life I was living with some sort of energy that was attached to me. That makes sense. I know I've heard or read that bars are hotspots because people that are under the influence, they're losing, they have that lack of control, like you said. And so those entities, and you kind of covered this earlier, they seem to attract to that because yes. it's e easier to overtake you. And that's, that's actually coming from somebody who I was a heavy drinker growing up and still kind of am, but I am actually going on three weeks. I've had maybe two beers. So I'm slowly, you know, working with my own, you know, mental issues and trying to get better at the gifts that I have because drinking and drugs and everything do inebriate us and block out our senses. It's true. And it's hard. It's a really hard thing to overcome because, you know, you have those moments of relapse, those moments of doubt. I commend you on trying to focus uh, your energies on learning techniques to deal with these things. That's not an easy thing to do. It's always the small things. Yeah, I mean, you got to pay attention to yourself, your surroundings, the spirits. And really, it's all within you. If you could just tell people where they can find you, where they can find your work. And I'll link this all in the description below the episode so you guys can click right in. You can watch the free episode up on YouTube and you can check out Paraflix and check out Mike's work. Yeah, um, you can head over to paraflix.com. You can see Beyond the Dimensions. It's our debut original series. You can also subscribe to Paraflix. It's $3.99 a month and $29.99 for the year. And if you use code BTD10, you get 10% off. I believe it's the first three months. And you can find us on Facebook at Beyond the Dimensions Paranormal and at BTD Paranormal on Instagram. That's awesome. And that's a really good price for a year subscription. $250 a month. And I'm assuming that the platform is growing. I'm sure there's things being added all the time. Oh, yeah. We're working with tons of, um, you know, I'm not just a content producer on that. I'm actually an executive and executive producer for Paraflix. So, yeah, it, it's constantly growing. It's all day, every day work. Thank you, Mike, for being here with me today and for diving into it with me and really going outside of the box. I enjoyed talking with you. And I uh, hope we can do this again soon. Oh, likewise. I really enjoyed questions made me think there a little bit. To the spirit podcast. Supernatural science. I'm ghost. Psychic. Mystic. Spirit. Divine source. Heaven. The dead. It's magic, magic.